got a friend in me You've got a friend in me When the road Hello and welcome to the Theological Family Ministry Podcast a podcast for parents as well as children and youth ministry leaders. We are dedicated to showing how theological study and biblical application relate to the discipleship of children and youth. As always, we're hosted by Pastor Ben Palaz, the pastor of Family and Children's Discipleship at Curtis Baptist Church in Augusta, Georgia, and Tony Trussoni, the family and student pastor at Faith Family Church in Finksburg, Maryland. Hey Ben, how you been doing the past uh, like 19 seconds? Uh, I, I'm good. I, uh, took care of a couple of things and, uh, chatted with them a minute with, uh, our new student pastor. So, so yeah, pretty good. How about you? I do, I'm doing well. So, you know, I really appreciate these friendship opportunities as much as I hope people are benefited from the podcast. It's always great just catching up with you and really, uh, summing our, our friendship in a godly way, I think through these kinds of things. But, yeah, I, I've I've looked forward to it. Um, and that's how this started. It was kind of a way for us to stay connected. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Long distance, and I'm quite thankful for that. So, uh, but with friendship, uh, I saw a trailer for a film recently, and I was actually discussing the film that's been in theaters, probably close to getting to DVD. Uh, that one of our teens had mentioned that they like uh, was a, a recent buddy cop film. You know, uh, I don't think I'd seen a buddy cop film in theaters in a long time, but there was a, uh, a actually a third of a trilogy of buddy cop movies that goes back to like the late '90s that came out, and uh, you know, Will Smith. Yeah, Will Smith, Bad Boys for Life, I think it's called, and uh, you know they. They even in the trailers they stress their friendships, which their friendships involve them goading on each other and you know, and uh, making fun of each other and and all these <laughs> kinds of ways. But uh, but at the same time, really being there for each other and uh, friendship, I guess, is in the air that because when movies like that come about and and we like to think about friendship, even if we don't like to see as many '90s buddy cop movies as we used to in past decades. So. <laughs> But, you know, speaking of the 90s and speaking of friendship, uh, what, who were some of your best friends growing up, Ben? Before, because I grew up, um, well, from the time I was about one until uh, I think I was about five, I lived in a town in, in South Georgia where my mom still lives. And so I had a friend there that I met at uh, kinder care. And we maintained a friendship even into kind of middle school, early high school. I have not talked to him for uh, a while um, though I, I need to call him. His mom actually contacted me via Facebook and I said that I would contact him and, uh, I have not done that yet. So that's my own lack of integrity there. Um, but I, I would like to connect with him. Um, a number of others, relative, a cousin, um, we're still, uh, we still see each other. Um, I had one friend in high school, middle school and high school, really close. And then with time, he went to college very far away. He uh, renounced the faith in the process. And anyway, I've not talked to him in some time. Got another friend I was very close with. Uh, and I don't see him very much. And, you know, in the past few years, he was doing medical residency stuff. And so working very unusual hours. And I ran into his sister here in town and said some stuff. Oh, I tried to contact him. She goes, Oh, he's, he doesn't really respond back to stuff very well. And, you know, he's tired. And, uh, but I was able to connect with him 
uh, a while back. He was in town for another sister's wedding, and we were able to get together and have breakfast. And um, he said, hey, if you're ever up in my part of the country, you know, you got a place to stay. And uh, another friend that I went to high school and college with that I talked to on the phone just last week, we don't talk as much as we used to, but um, and some of that's just the nature of being separated by distance and uh, having family responsibilities and jobs and, you know, those kinds of things. Um, but, uh, and then one other friend who our friendship kind of, I, I guess I was most of the way done growing up. Um, but we met in high school and then we became very good friends after high school was over. And that has, you know, I talked to him very regularly. Um, so. Uh, yeah, for me, um, I, I don't keep up with really many of my friends growing up, uh, that, uh, but some of the friendships that stuck out to me actually was, um, the the longest friendship I had growing up was uh, the growing up at least was uh, I was very close best friends with this uh, this guy named Zach who is married uh, and has a kid now uh, recently had a baby and uh, and so it's good for them and but I only know that because I'm friends with him on Facebook so I, I don't think I've talked to him in person in a decade and it's not there's no animus it just you know life pulls apart and especially when you move well out of state like I did uh, and uh, and then I have you know my probably my other best friends growing up were actually two different guys named Kevin at various points uh, and for all I know that uh, they are the king of Sudan right now you know that's uh, the little that I know about <laughs> to be frank with you uh, really in fact the I I don't think I keep up with a single person I went to high school with at all uh, and uh, so you know it's part of that has been because I moved you know and when you do that it can change some things like that but yeah so some of those have not lasted as long as I thought they would I remember though like graduating high school I was like you know I didn't have a ton of good friends in high school at all but I still thought like you know this is going to last forever this is not going to be like you know like you know my parents generation or whatnot and of course it was <laughs> like <laughs> yeah I, I had some those similar delusions yeah <laughs> it's funny how it's like that um but uh, what is notable about your longest lasting friendships that you've had that the ones that continue on today i think the biggest distinguishing mark is that they are believers hmm. uh most of the guys in that list are believers um not all of them but um for various ways, we've been able to connect, like physically be present with each other at different points, which has helped. And uh, so that's also an additional element. Um, some of these other guys, because of distance and things like that, it's just very hard. I mean, I've got a friend that lives in Washington State. I can't just hop on a plane anytime, go out to Washington. And, uh, and he likewise can't just come out here all the time. And so... I think those two are the biggest marks, though. How about you? Yeah, I think what you point out is, is so helpful and, and right in that. So it's definitely uh, the strong faith, have faith, you know, mutual faith in that. So I, it's I don't I haven't had a ton, ton of super long friendships in that way. Maybe as much as you have. So uh, you know, and I, there are still some people I keep up for from college. You know, more than ten years ago. 
the uh, you know I think that you would definitely be one of my uh, longest lasting friendships. Uh, my friendship with you is my wife, obviously, uh, <laughs> but I don't know that that counts. Uh, but you know I think of those relationships that last longer. The funny thing is is that. I think almost all of my friends that I've had the longest friendship with are guys that are, are very different from me in some ways uh, and guys that I don't know that I would care that much about one way or the other or vice versa if uh, we were not, you know, in the faith. So I think it's actually been the differences that exist between personalities or, or whatever that has, I think, often been the key to making some of those friendships so lasting and so endearing even in uh, different life situations. Well, and I, you know, I was, as I was looking at the question, um, I was thinking back to those those childhood friendships that maybe still had some uh, long lasting. And I wasn't even thinking about present relationships that are long lasting. So like that friend I mentioned that, you know, we, we sort of were friends a little bit at the end of high school. And then it really took off after we were out of high school. Uh, and then you, and we met in college and uh, we didn't, I guess we really became close friends though after the fact. Um, and so, We've been able to stay in touch in both those cases, you know, um, been able to stay in touch. That's good. So um, what really is a friend and what is friendship when you think about this topic? Hmm, that's a good question. Uh, I, I didn't consult a dictionary intentionally on this. I just tried to reflect. And I think it's a, a relationship. Um, a friend is someone with whom you have shared affection love, um, admiration, respect, and care. And so, I mean, friendship is, is characterized by those things, and a friend is someone with whom you share that. Uh, that I guess that's the most succinct way I could say okay. it. What would, you, what would you add to that? Yeah, so uh, maybe I didn't answer my own question as well as you did. <laughs> but uh, the uh, no, that's a good answer. Uh, I thought in a lot of ways one uh, description of friendship that has really stuck out to me and what a friend is uh, is uh, my wife actually uh, uses uh, or subscribes uh, one of her best her relationship with one of her best friends is she's her spiritual running buddy. Uh, and her friend is a is kind of a runner, and you know, you you get a buddy. Uh, generally, you run better if you run with somebody else that will kind of keep pushing you on. And to me, that's what a friend really is more than anything. It should be a spiritual running buddy. Uh, mm. I think it, a friend by a re, by the best and most noblest vision of what a friend is is a someone that spurs us to be better uh, than who we are. That also sits with us, uh, you know. And I think actually that actually it does actually make me think of you and my relationship with you because I can think of even early when we became we didn't we weren't really friends in college we became more friends in seminary uh, and uh, I remember times in seminary where you know you sat with us and you, and you uh, guys brought us a meal when when our hearts were aching and we were in severe suffering and I remember other times where you called me on my junk uh, and uh, and to me that's exactly what friendship is about so uh, and so what is friendship then rather than a friend I think friendship in a lot of ways is the act of considering someone else better than yourself in, in a godly sense Hmm. that's well i I wouldn't discount how you went about that answer and i i do remember some of the the being with you i don't remember as much of calling you on your junk Uh, 
I'm I'm not I don't excel at confrontation though the Lord has helped me to be able to do it um, at points and yeah I mean I would certainly uh, I've learned a lot about how to love people watching you even and benefiting from your love um, and so and I remember like at time when you were looking for a job and uh, you know I was one of your references and thing what they call me I, one thing when I know he will love you well. Uh, just you know, coming out of, of seeing you do it and then experiencing it myself. That's good. Thank. That's very kind of you. I really appreciate it. So, uh, God has been good to both of us, and I think worked in both of us for each other. So, uh, but what does yeah. the Bible say about friendship, Ben? Uh, and uh, I think this is one where we both might have a lot to say because there's a lot that's written in the Bible about this. There is. Um, I mean. Proverbs is a great place to go, just talking about the nature of friendship and a good friend versus a bad friend. A friend keeps confidence. He's able to hear something, keep his mouth shut. A friend loves at all times. Friends have the power to influence us, and so whether for good or for bad, so be selective about who our friends are, at least in the closest sense. Uh, They help us to see our blind spots, and they can lovingly point them out. Uh, the you know the kisses of a friend are faithful. We know they are they want our good, and so if they expose something, it's for our good. At least if they're a true good friend. Um, friendship can also be broken through sin and offenses, uh, but love can also cover those things. Um, and I think if the the account of David and Jonathan and the friendship that they shared. And as they're parting, David talks about how Jonathan's love has been better than that of a woman. Now, some people, modern interpreters have gone, oh, well, see, this is evidence that they were actually homosexuals. And then the Bible affirms homosexual relationships. Um, I think that's quite a jump. And because our culture is so erotically charged, we're, we're looking for these things and we're looking for justifications for our sin. But, um, we don't fully have a category for these kind of relationships that could be really loving without having that romantic erotic element to it. And so um, just the, the connection that he had, the bond that he had with Jonathan was of such comfort to him. Um, I, I think that's what it's describing and it's not you know some sort of reference to they were uh, romantically involved. But there's a lot more that could be said and I'm sure um, you've got some – some good stuff on that. Yeah. I think it's uh, wise you brought up the Dave and Jonathan thing, which I was not going to bring up uh, in this just yet. Uh, but I think it's so interesting, like you brought up that the homosexual suggestion in it. And I think the idea that the degree of intimacy between them uh, would suggest, would uh, imply homosexuality could only come from a culture that, uh, that sees true male friendship as basically being the frat boy relationships and the bad boys uh, mentality <laughs> in these movies, you know. Uh, it is a good point. Almost every other culture has far more, throughout history, has far more embraced the beauty of male uh, friendship and the intimacy between men that really love each other as friends rather than necessarily sexually or, you know, or romantically, so. Well, even there's cultures now, I, I'm told, that men who are friends will walk down the street holding hands, and it's a manly thing. You know, but in our culture, it's like, what? I mean, who on earth would do that? Oh, absolutely. So, yep, it, uh, it's fascinating. But 
<laughs> yeah, you brought up some great verses on this. A couple others that stuck out to my mind. Uh, so you mentioned the negative effects of friendships. Uh, but one of the verses that speaks most powerfully where the New Testament talks about friendship is 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Even though we know that biblically we do evangelize, and, and it is friendship to evangelize the people, uh, but I think the Bible also speaks into what friendship is. Uh, the Bible shows us that uh, in 1 Thessalonians 5.11 how friendship encourages. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you were doing. That's what a friend does. Uh, in Proverbs 27, 6, though, uh, says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, and profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Part of friendship is wounding one another and, in a good way. You know, is pointing out, uh, being willing to call each other out, to, uh, to push one another on and not be content with where each other are spiritually. Yeah, that's really good. Ben, is friendship a theological issue? And if so, how is this a theological issue? And I guess if it's not, then you'll just answer with nothing. <laughs> yes, it is. And we've talked about this a number of times, how everything ultimately is a theological thing. I mean, our our lives are just supercharged with spirituality. And as it relates to God, we just don't always see it. But it's a theological issue because I think it's being – it's connected to man not being alone. Um, we often cite that in reference to marriage, and yes, that was the direct thing that was going on in Genesis. God made a, a helper suitable to Adam in giving him a wife. But it's the implications stretch out further than that. Like God, God didn't just create a single human; He created a people, and then they were supposed to be fruitful and multiply to have dominion over the earth. And then in the church, now in the new creation, God has, has not just saved a person. and He's not just saving individuals. He is saving people for himself. And around the throne, there's going to be countless multitudes praising the Lamb because God, his glory can't be can just contained uh, just to, to the one unless it's in, in Jesus Christ. But – uh, so it, it's that. I mean, there are other places that we could go, but you know, Abraham was actually befriended by God. That that's mentioned, I think, maybe three times in Scripture. Um, that God befriended a sinner, and so mm-hmm. we're made in His image. We're being recreated in His image, and being supposed to put that on. Ephesians talks about um, in true righteousness and holiness. And so, if God befriends sinners. Well, we ought to as well. Um, it deals with issues of the bonds of love and intimacy and closeness and loyalty, all things that God demonstrates. And so um, also it's, it's God's sanctifying work in us, him smoothing out those rough edges. You, you mentioned the passage about faithful are the wounds of a friend. Well, our friends are some of the ways that God uses his you know holy sandpaper to smooth out things in our lives that need to be smoothed out. Uh, where there's rough edges. And so uh, that's the, the approach I would immediately go to. But um, what else do you, do you see? So I think that there's three aspects of uh, theology that I really wanted to point out in this as well. Uh, so first off, I think this is theological because it's ecclesiological. This is theology of the church. 
Uh, and I think a reason why I think this is because uh, we often divide the idea of our friendship from those that we sit next to in the pews or, or the chairs or whatever you guys do there. Uh, but biblically, part of the point of the church so is this kind of brotherhood and sisterhood of people pushing one another forward. Uh, and I think, I think, frankly, the New Testament writers would would think of it completely foreign to them, the idea of uh, being covenanted with somebody in church and not having that be a dear friendship. Uh, that I think it's also soteriological, which is doctrine of salvation. And the reason why I say that actually is because uh, that uh, one, I think we often, I, I know people that are friends with lost people that have no desire to share the gospel. And, you know, if they ask a question from their lifestyle, then they'll, they say they'll answer that. Uh, and that speaks to a really bad theology of how people get saved. Uh, but also in a positive thing that, you know, friendship is a theological issue of salvation and that, you know, we are called to go and befriend people because it's only by us proclaiming the good news of people that we know and love that can people be saved. Uh, and I think lastly, it's a theology of discipleship, of Christian growth, uh, of how we, you know, grow in Christ. Because, I mean, the Bible's always, you as always teaches that God uses us speaking the truth to one another in love. You know, that's part of how the word works is when, when one of us speaks the word into each other's lives. So I think those are three definitive access, uh, areas of uh, theology involved in this. Amen. Now, how does our culture understand friendship differently? So I think in our, our culture, it, it tends to be, not always, but it can tend to be, well, you know, you don't ask, you don't require too much of me. Um, it can be based on convenience. Though that Certainly common grace does extend to unbelievers, and they can have real friendships that are good, that are characterized by care. Uh, in some ways, though, their ultimate goal is going to be different than someone who knows their Bible well and understands God's intent for relationships. Okay. That's good uh, perspective. So that's not a good thing, but it's good perspective. So uh, <laughs> actually, it's interesting because this uh, discussion was actually kind of brought to my mind because of a blog article I, I felt the desire to uh, write. And so I wrote an article about a month ago for my blog uh, called Compatibility as Carnal. And it wasn't really mainly about dating. It was about how we see compatibility as our matrix through which we determine all relationships often. Mm. And so That's I think good. often our culture understands friendship as a kind of carnal compatibility and not carnal in the sense that, you know, it is always, you know, uh, lust. Yes. Lustful or eating, you know, indulgent, you know, that, uh, and that kind of stuff. It's not getting tanked all the time, although it does happen sometimes (laughs) with friendships in the world. Uh, but instead like, you know, it's people that, you know, people that you have the most in common with apart from Jesus, I think is often how our culture understands, you know, friendships differently. So it's almost very utilitarian that, you know, who your friends are are the people that you work, check the box that you work with. You like the show Friends as well as them. And I don't know, you, uh, you're you big on Italian food. Uh, and, you know, if you check the most boxes, certain number of boxes, then you can qualify as being a friend because we just want some 
something that's like us. We don't want to be pushed to be different. Uh, and when we become different, we just change our friends uh, is often the case. So I think that there is a kind of com- carnal compatibility, fleshly compatibility in that. But also I think sometimes... Uh, to be more bold, it can be like a, a, a wingman of sin. Um, I, <laughs> a loved one gave me, I, I was a big Brewers fan growing up in high school and college, and now I root for the Orioles first, but I still like the Brewers. And somebody gave me a uh, shirt uh, that said, Burning Brewer is my wingman. Uh, and Burning <laughs> Brewer is the, like, is the either beer making or alcoholic mascot for the Milwaukee Brewers? It's not really clear, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this, but it, it did make me think of this kind of this wingman mentality. Uh, you know, he that the person that uh, uh, is our friends or the people that got our back, regardless of whether we're doing something right or wrong. You know, th- th- they're not going to question us; they're just going to to stand with us. Uh, and that's not what friendship at all is at all. Friendship is not about you know if, if you if you're doing something stupid, your a friend is not the person that that stands with you when you're doing something stupid. That's a good point. Yeah, I, I like that about the carnal compatibility. Um, that's that's good insight. Right. Yeah, I'm. I appreciate it. So. Uh, I guess he thought less about the uh, alcoholic wingman. So, <laughs> <laughs> how did most people choose friends, though, Ben? And how should they choose friends? I think often it's based on common interest, uh, stage of life. You're like me enough, at least in certain ways. And as you were talking, you know, the idea came to me that even people who would love the idea of diversity and um, and I think particularly younger people who very progressive and you know we need to be very inclusive um, they often what I see now I'm I have to say I'm not super close friends with a lot of people in that camp or really I can't think of close friends I mean I have relationships with people who with whom I disagree but um, they're not surrounding themselves with other people who disagree with them about some of those things you know it, it becomes a little bit of an echo chamber so we're all we love you know diversity and but we all have to agree on that or you know, we're not going to bring in the the fundamentalist Christian who um, would say that all roads don't lead to God. And uh, my sister was me- talking to someone recently, um, talking about universalism, and she, she said, you know, you just sort of believe whatever you want, and it gets you wherever you want to go. Uh, and I thought that was a pretty good description of some people's belief systems, or their, you know, their understanding of how things work. Um, but we tend to to uh, put people around us who don't make us too uncomfortable. Um, but I think instead there should be some sort of goal uh, to an extent. There, I think there is in all relationships. But for Christians, it should be building each other up in Christ, ultimately promoting love and good deeds in one another, even though that doesn't mean every conversation you have is a spiritually oriented uh, relationship. Or, conversation directly, but that you are seeking to help that person to become more like Christ, to become uh, better than they are, and um, to love them, support them, you know, all of that. And so you're looking at it from that angle. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, I I think those are a lot of uh, really helpful points. I think another thing that often is pursued is, 
is just is a similar personality style or a complementing personality style by uh, in the sense that accommodating to how we already are. So, you know, uh, people that, you know, are bubbly often are friends with people that are bubbly or whatnot, but also sometimes it's, it's opposite, but in a surprisingly similar way. Cause I actually think of one of my longest friendships when I was a kid, uh, you know, I am, I am the dictator by nature. I'm a control freak. <laughs> D you stands for dictator. Yeah, exactly. The disc. <laughs> yeah, I know. And, uh, and my friend Zach, he was very quiet. Uh, and, uh, you know, he was just kind of to himself and, and he enjoyed hanging out with me, but, uh, you know, that, uh, I, I wanted, I could feel like I was in control. Uh, and I think another strong personality would have, uh, not led me to feel like I was in control as much. Uh, but I think those kinds of things, but I think another one actually is similar sins. Uh, and uh, this might be saying one. something strong. So, you know, Somebody who struggles with gossip, even among Christians, it's ex- one of the reasons why I think Paul warns about the dangers of gossip, for example, or anger and these specific things of specific groups of people often is that it's, it's common that those who are gossips uh, surround themselves with other gossips and that, you know, men that are angry uh, surround themselves with other angry men. And this is not new or even, you know, uh, that rooted in this current culture. I think of... Um, what we were thinking about doing a, uh, a podcast about alcohol, which we'll do another time, which will be interesting. But I've done a lot of study on what happened before prohibition, and many men would go into these saloons, and in these saloons, uh, that uh, men would just get absolutely smashed, uh, and that they would sometimes cheat on their wives there, and they gamble away their money, and they and they go to these places. Not, uh, they could do that on their own, you know, uh, but they want to surround themselves with other people. That's their f- quote unquote friendships. Are a bunch mm-hmm. of idiots that are doing idiotic things with them, uh, and uh, so instead, I think that we should look for that kind of running buddy, like my wife. Uh, had pointed out so uh, and I think we should actually find someone different in the best way I, and I don't mean different in the sense that we can control them like I did uh, but <laughs> I, I think <laughs> have them do our bidding exactly <laughs> yeah we shouldn't look for our sidekick you know <laughs> like I <laughs> but uh, I think we find someone uh, different in the sense that makes us uncomfortable uh, Christians don't mm-hmm. like being uncomfortable, but they should. Uh, somebody that you know has a personality in a way that maybe we wouldn't hang out apart from Christ, uh, but the fact that we are hanging out is what's going to push us to deal with our our specific sins and our intolerances and our our real issues that we have. That's really good. Now, how do parents help their kids find good friends? Uh, one way I think is through arranged friendships. Um, you know, we have arranged marriages, but I'm only I'm only being slightly facetious because I think there are ways that if you see kids, you think that would be a good friend for my child. Um, th- that you can try to work the circumstances so that they are coming in proximity with that person more. I mean, you could even direct their attention to, hey, well, how about so and so? Now, you obviously cannot force a, fin- a friendship to form. I think if, if you're, I mean, I'm assuming everybody listening to this is going to be in a church, um, but looking within the church and, and looking for families with similar values in their approach to way the way they live the Christian life, 
Um, because even within your church, there may be people that they're not there and you can still befriend them. But, um, I, I'm just thinking as a dad taking off, just, just looking at it from that, that narrow lens and even maybe somewhat selfishly, but there are certain people sometimes that, yes, I want my daughter to spend more time with this person. Whereas this other one, I'd be okay that, you know, she didn't spend as much time, uh, for various reasons. And so I think you can kind of work those circumstances a little bit. Uh, but obviously you pray that God would give them good friends, um, and teach them about friendship, how to be a good friend. And then, um, the kinds of things to then look for in friends or uh, try to avoid uh, in friends. I think parents should very, very much model this themselves as well. You know, parents can have far too uh, real, fr- uh, far too few real friends. And I think you were getting to this, mm-hmm. especially in men, you know, men, you know, I don't know a lot of men, you know, that are, uh, of a certain age that have a ton of male friends. And I think that's an unfortunate thing. I think that was very much a product of a specific generation, though not always. Uh, and I think parents should seek to be around it and surround their kids with uh, their friends, uh, the friends that push them on towards godliness. So, uh, and further, I think, uh, I mean, you mentioned, te- you mentioned teaching David and Jonathan as an example, but I think also even great examples of this in church history. Uh, one friendship that actually I think really encouraged me uh, was and seeing in church history the example uh, of uh, of Calvin and Beza. Do you know much about Calvin and Beza's friendship? I don't. So they were very close. Beza is kind of the successor of Calvin in Geneva, uh, John Calvin. And uh, he, I mean, they were deeply close. They were probably as close as any of the elders. But all the elders there, all the pastors there in in Geneva really, truly loved one another. And I remember reading of a time where especially Beza was arguing uh, with Calvin and upset with Calvin because Calvin was volunteering uh, to basically offering to uh, volunteer to help with those who were suffering of the plague. Uh, and they were going to send at least one elder to kind of permanently live with uh, plague sufferers outside of the city and mm-hmm. uh, to do minister to them. And really all these elders kind of volunteered that I'll be the one, you know, I'll be the one to do this, knowing it was a death sentence. And, uh, you know, and Beza saw his friend and the impact he was having in ways that would involve doing something different. And, and he, he got mad at Calvin, that Calvin, I mean, Calvin kind of almost put himself in a situation where he would, he would just do this. He was just going to do it. Uh, and I think that was a great example of real friendship where they really cared about each other and they really loved one another deeply. So mm, uh, that's neat. But I think another thing is helping their, their kid find good friends is you should make them want to hate their sins. You should help your son and daughter to desire to fight against their sins. And I think when they have that understanding that their sin is something to be fought against left and right, I think it will help that to shape their pursuit of friends, that they'll want to have the kind of friend that can help them kill their sin rather than the kind of friend that can help them just be, you know, uh, that be uh, nonchalant about their sin or careless with their own sins. Mm. How do parents help their kids be good friends themselves, though, Ben? I think first you mentioned often 
adults don't have a lot of close friends. And I think that's true. Um, so you want to model it yourself. And it's hard. Just I mean, thinking from the context that we both live in, in of Western society and fast paced and just too busy. Um, so you, you get caught up with the stuff that's going on with your family and you know, your children get a little older. And even if you don't let them just multiply activity after activity after activity, they do, you still, um, likely have, they're doing something and, um, trying to balance, okay, pursuing some of these things, but also trying to uh, be a friend at the same time and letting them see that friendship to an extent that that person's in your home and they're just familiar with this other person and um, they see how you love them and they love you. And I think that you, uh, want to provoke your kids to see how they can then provoke love and good deeds in their friends. Um, and that's Hebrews 10 talks about that and, and that we're, we're trying to stir up our kids to go then stir up others to do those things. And so as they're trying to, to do good to their friends, to do spiritual good, um, benefit them, they're going to be a good friend. Yeah, that's good. So one aspect I would add to that is uh, I think it's really important to sh- watch how they treat others, uh, you know, when they're with their friends especially, and address it, uh, address it, address their, you know, they're going to have sinful behaviors everybody's a bad friend sometimes and we are bad friends in different ways. And, you know, I, I know actually of a situation where uh, somebody I know had to address that their daughter was kind of in the relationship with another child was, was just being the bossy kind of the dictator and that relationship also. Uh, and uh, they had to really pull the person aside and, and address it. And maybe the other individual was not the best friend either. Uh, but the parent is responsible to deal with your your kids struggle first rather than just, I think, do the thing where we're tempted to just kind of lambast the uh, ki- the friends of our kids. You know, I, we it's really easy to blame things on the other parents rather than to have to deal with it ourselves, right? Uh, but, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I mean, there's been situations, I think, in my oldest child, you know, been hurt by somebody, and part of you wants to go and like, yeah, I'm going to tell so-and-so a piece of my mind. Um, they need to step in and do this, and then that's not always generally not the most helpful thing to do. Yeah. So, and now how should parents respond when their kids pick less than great friends? Because this still does happen, doesn't it? Yeah. I think that you want to, and, and I'm not speaking from, well, I guess we've had, had a little bit of experience in this. Um, now thankfully because my kids are young enough, they weren't hanging out with drug dealers, but I think you want to ask good questions about what draws your child to that friend. Help them to evaluate that and think about that. And is it because they enjoy sinning with the friend? And mm. the like you talked about earlier, that uh, carnal compatibility, and that's really what they're after? Uh, or is there something else? Uh, and just getting them to reflect on that. There's also a time when I think when you do limit uh, I talked about the arranged friendships. There's a time when you do intentionally limit the contact, depending on the nature of the situation, and um, and maybe in some context you even try to get to know that that friend at some level. Um, and so, while you can you can show a level of love for your child by showing love to their friend, while also not being fully affirming, like, yeah, I want you to spend a lot of time with this person. Yeah. 
What do you think? <sighs> Those are some really helpful thoughts. So first off, um, I want to say we should not condemn evangelism because actually I do know of a case uh, where, you know, I know of, I know of a teen uh, that has friendships with, with people that are not the world's best influences that do sins that are frowned upon more than other sins. And this teen legitimately is trying to be an evangelist uh, and trying to share the gospel to the, these, these friends of this teen. So, and this teen is actually heartbroken over the reality of their sin. So I think that is a deeply important thing is don't condemn evangelism uh, and be careful uh, that uh, with legalism in that same vein. So I actually, this hits close to home because I remember uh, f- I found out that there were some people in my youth group when I was a teenager uh, where the parents kind of told them not to hang around and, and where they didn't go to youth group much because I was going there. And the reason why was I was not I did not come up in that same religious background that let's say you did. And mm-hmm. when, I was, when I came to youth group, I swore like crazy uh, prior to that. And, and I think I tried <laughs> to be mindful of it, but, you know, it was, you know, it was my, it was my language, you know, it was, it was something I didn't even think about at times. And so, you know, when I really wanted to grow in Christ and, but was messing up some, uh, some people were kind of pushing their kids away from uh, me. And I don't, I, you know, and it's personal, of course, but I think in general, that's, that's unhelpful for us. I mm-hmm. think we shouldn't uh, raise legalism over uh, dealing with sin issues. So, uh, and I think also deal with the hard issues of why they value those relationships over others, others, because ultimately the friendship is not the main issue when our kids have bad friends. They're, the issue, the deeper issue is that there is a heart desire that wants to grab hold of those relationships over other relationships. And there's a reason why. And uh, and I think we need to help our kids process that. So, And at times we should lovingly be strict. You know, that means, you know, you deal with kids and a ministry more than I do now. Uh, and, you know, you can have times where parent doesn't drop the kids off uh, uh, with a um, with you know the kid that's not a great influence on them but you know with teens sometimes it's a little harder but I think a parent should still be willing to love their kid enough to strictly tell them I don't want you to hang out around with that person anymore and tell them that in love and compassion and understanding yeah that's good insight so how can next generation ministries equip young people to look for the right kind of friends? I think some through just direct teaching on that. Um, I mean, have a series on friendship or something of that nature. I think in your application to raising questions or um, trying to get to the heart of matters about how, how to be a friend, um, and just thinking through, especially if you're in a role of uh, teaching regularly like that, just making it a grid that you kind of run things through. Because adults even are not always great, often not great at being friends. Uh, sin just has corrupted our capacities. And so kids, how much less so? I mean, I, I was talking to uh, Hannah, my intern, before this and just asking her feedback on on some of these questions and thinking through it because they're really good questions and um you know we we're talking about how kids in some ways it's easier for them because they, especially the little ones they're just like hey do you want to be my friend okay let's go 
let's go play on the swings. And then they don't even know the person's name. It's like, oh, yes, my best friend. And they just enjoy being together, and it's just simpler. Things get more complex mm-hmm. as you're an adult. But the kids are still learning, how, okay, well, what happens when conflict arises in the relationship? Um, and so, you, I mean, and I think that applies to children's ministry as well as the youth ministry, just making that uh, a, a good part of, of what you run things through. Uh, you've probably heard uh, Mark Dever talk about this, but he's got a, a preaching application grid and yes. he, he takes his points and lines it up. And actually, I, that's something I've implemented and found that helpful because it's getting me to think about different kinds of people uh, and how they may need to hear that particular point. And so that, I mean, something like that may be, um, may be useful. Um, I think too, you can encourage different contexts for it. I don't... I'm hesitant to build a, the ministry, you know, just all of events. But I think there's there can be a place for that where you're encouraging uh, the building of godly friendships and uh, and you're engaging in those to some extent. And and maybe there's oh yeah, have you met so and so, and you're trying to do a little bit of uh, you know setting people up in that sense. But uh, yeah, I think those are there's some of the ways. Um, how about what are you what are your thoughts on that? Those are some really helpful thoughts. I want to add two quick things. One is more rooted in kids, and one is uh, dealings um, really more specifically with youth. Um, one, I think you mentioned teaching on it, uh, and specifically take times to teach Proverbs. I think Proverbs, mm-hmm. uh, in we talked about long gospel in the last podcast, and Proverbs sometimes can be avoided because we see it as kind of too much law, you know, too, not gospel enough. It is gospel enough, 100%. Uh, but uh, there's a great, even a great kid CD from Sovereign Grace Music uh, on uh, the book of Proverbs. And uh, I remember a song that we even can I oh, think, yeah. help our kids, you know, play, you know, in the background or, or help your kids to learn to sing in the children's ministry uh, is I want to be a good friend. Uh, and yes. uh, and it teaches truth from Proverbs about real friendships. And I think it applies to kids' lives. Um and then another thing I'll add is uh, work hard to navigate interpersonal issues because these might be the best things for us. Uh, and that's mm-hmm. more specifically going to be with teens because I think, you know, I feel like when you get older, when you hit the junior high age and the senior high age, you more definitively, you don't want to go to things where your best friends aren't there and, you know, and mm-hmm. you've decided that these people aren't aren't the people that are your friends and you don't get along with this person. Uh, and, uh, and I think that there are times where you have to deal with those social issues and sometimes youth ministries can avoid it. Uh, but I want to encourage, you know, dealing with those and have, and pushing people to meet and iron out some of these things that make them not get along. Because I think when we do that, when we force uh, a sense of uh, conflict resolution between, you know, young people that are similar in age or even different in age uh, that just don't really want that much to do with one another, it's entirely possible this can form long-lasting relationships that are the best relationships for those kids possible because these are uh, young people that are, are very different in a godly way. That's a good uh, good directive. Uh, I think that's important because um, we're not usually naturally good conflict resolvers, and it's just easier not to deal with it. That is true. <laughs> And how can the church challenge both young and old to be the good friend that fears God more than their friends? 
the fear of the Lord and the fear of man is something that is, I wouldn't say near to my heart, or I guess in a sense it is near to my heart and my mind quite a bit, because I deal with the fear of man. And and I mentioned earlier that I'm not the best at confrontation. We were just talking about it. It's just easier not to deal with it. And even for people who don't mind it as much, in some ways, it's just easier to just not bother. It's, it can be a lack of love. There's, there's a lot to it. But uh, I do think about that issue a lot. And so I think in our our normal teaching and preaching, whether it's from the pulpit or in other contexts where we are teaching people God's ways and God's word, um, we are putting forward a big vision of who God is. And that's not uh, some kind of theatrical production. It's not like we have to make him appear bigger than he is. Uh, I don't think any of us are in danger of doing that. And so as we do that and we pray that God would take that and just set it on fire and that people would see him for who he is and be in awe and that that would be enough to sustain their hearts into obedience and it would free them from being concerned with themselves and what could happen to them or what won't happen to them. They're free to then love other people. Um, I think a book that we've mentioned here before, and I, I think you'd like this one, uh, When People Are Big and God is Small mm-hmm. by Ed Welch. Uh, have you read that? I Yes, I have. I've read it twice, I believe. Okay, That's I how think much I've, I've needed it. Uh, yeah, I, I think I've worked through it maybe maybe into the third time. I'm not sure, but it is probably one of the most impactful books that that I've read in my life and one that I recommend to people. And it's just that that idea that, that you know when we see people and friends, we want them to like us and to accept us. They're much bigger in our minds, um, processing and in our imagination than God is. And sometimes God just completely—he's not just small; he's just non-existent there. Um, and so I think it just comes down to having a proper perspective on God, and and proclaiming him and yes we need practical application and show me how this works out show me how to obey all that jesus has commanded but we need sometimes the proper motivations before we can launch out into that obedience and uh, at least for me that has has been very helpful and i have to say i'm still um in the middle of the struggle and uh find myself fearing people far too much but uh, just having that big vision of him, I, what would you say? I imagine you've got a little more insight on this than me. No, I thought that was exceptional. So I think two things. I think for the whole church and challenging this, I think one thing that is so important is I think you raise up actually a high ecclesiology in this. Uh, and in this again, that's a theology of the church. And, uh, and the reason why I mentioned that is because I think the church is there – Partially, I mean, to provide these kinds of friendships that are going to push us uh, to honor God above anything else. And so and I think part of fearing God uh, more than desiring to please friends is, is finding those kinds of friendships within the body at times. People that, you know, 
I, you know, it's hard to uh, have a friendship where you're going to live carnally and where you're going to just kind of uh, try to act like an idiot to impress your friends with your idiocy when you're going to be sitting next to them, this person, uh, hearing God's word preached or in small group together, having to call one another out or, or be open about sin. So I think we need to lift up ecclesiology and we need to stop seeing churches kind of just our individualized family experience that can i think that's been a lot of the breakdown of the family has been our lack of understanding of our brotherhood and sisterhood within even the local body of christ Uh, that's that's really good um yeah that individualized family experiences you're talking about it's very prevalent and then the last thing i'll add you know is I think we're not we're so bad at being prepared to deal with situations where following Jesus costs us in our friendships and where we have to fear God over fearing our friends. Uh, and I think some of that is because not just what we teach, but even how we sing. And I want to encourage churches to, whether it be in like the youth a band or whether it be in the wor- whole worship team uh, sing songs there are many old hymns that ta- uh, speak of being stabbed in the back and and yet trying to hold firm to Jesus legitimately uh, one of my favorite hymns of all times is Jesus I my cross have taken and that's line that sticks out friends may fail me but all must work for good for me and uh, the and you know and that 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 statement even when thinking of following Christ how friends uh, can fail us and, and another verse that refers to kind of friends rising up and, and just really disappointing us uh, and uh, not standing with us if we stand for Christ and I think we need to uh, be more understanding of that even in the songs that we sing. Mm. That's yeah, I had not thought about that, but yeah, you read. I think so much in the Christian life, if you go back to the Psalms, the Psalter, it discusses that. It just talks about how to live and to think and to feel in the presence of God and with his people. And yeah, I mean, I think a Psalm that I like, that there's a song, or probably multiple songs written about it, but Psalm 62 that discusses that, you know, the uh, lies like arrows uh, may pierce me. And just addressing that. And so, yeah, there's there's a whole lot of psalms that address that. So psalms, you should read it. It's a great book. Amen. Well, I appreciate your friendship, Ben, as always. And uh, I think your friendship has been very good to me. Well, I can say that sincerely likewise. So praise the Lord for you. Okay. Well, listeners, you've got a friend in us. <laughs> God bless. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Theological Family Ministry Podcast. If you have enjoyed this episode, please give us a review on iTunes and share the podcast with your friends on social media. All new episodes are available to listen to on Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, Spreaker, and iTunes. We hope you have a great week, and join us again every first and third Thursday.